Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now everything i learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy whether one line of plot holes or two it is poopies, it's time to get busy with your friend Stephen Izzy. A group of archaeological students become trapped in the past when they go there to retrieve their professor. The group must survive 14th century France long enough to be rescued. Can you guess what our movie is today? <gasps> is it Timeline? Timeline! Yes, this is 2003's Timeline. Uh, I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything I Learned from Movies. And uh, <laughs> we continue Time Travel Month uh, with this installment, uh, again, 2003's Timeline, starring the late Paul Walker, Billy Connolly, <laughs> uh, who else is it? Gerard Butler is in it, uh, David Thewlis, the... Uh, the guy you thought was the T-1000, Neil, Neil McDonough. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he, 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 uh, you, you've seen him in things. He was like a minority report and stuff. He's a very sto- stoic-looking guy, mm-hmm. very pale, and he has these like pale blue eyes that are just kind of piercing. Creepy. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> kind of creepy in general. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot like Robert Patrick, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, I, I mistake him. Oh, yeah. 2003, as he was. It's been a long time. It's been a decade, yeah. yeah. I forgot Gerard Butler was in this movie. Everybody was in this movie. Anyway, uh, I, wa- I remember watching this movie back when it first came out and thinking, meh. <laughs> <laughs> but watching it again, pretty good. Not I mean, a bad movie. I mean, it's not horrible. It has a Metascore of like 25 or whatever it is. Not deserving. It's, it's better than that, yeah. So I think part of the reason that this got such a low score, but... Another reason why, that some people don't even know about, this is actually based on a Michael Crichton book. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal book. Well, yeah. to me it was a phenomenal book. Apparently, I'm looking online, there's a lot of like back and forth. People are either like, oh my god, this is amazing, or people are like, this is bullshit. He has a lot of, you know, good books, bad movies kind of thing. He really has a big... Stephen King, apparently. Oh, whatever, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and this was the last movie that uh, he allowed anybody to have the rights to until after his death. Yeah, <laughs> apparently he didn't care for the movie much either. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may be asking yourself, Michael Crane, I've heard that name before. Uh, mm-hmm. He wrote Jurassic Park, right? That was a book? It was a book, I know, oh! I'm surprised too. <laughs> uh, this is also our second movie based on a Michael Crichton novel that we've done in only ten episodes. Ooh, what was the other one, Steve? It was the classic Congo what? Congo was a book? <laughs> what? Congo had a script? Yeah, it was one of those kind of things. Um, so yeah, go back and check that one out, too. It's pretty, uh, pretty good little review we did on that one, I think. Mm-hmm. One of Steve's favorite movies ever. That's it. Alright, so back to timeline. So, uh, Do we want to start off with the beer first? Ooh, we should start off with the beer. So, 
we're going to start off with a beer we brewed, and this will actually be the first time we have tried it carved. Yeah, this is a true blind taste test. Yes, it is. Great. So for Learn to Homebrew Day a couple of weeks ago, where we had people over, uh, we invited people from Meetup and from our Homebrewers Guild over to learn how to brew beer, we decided to do a honey porter. Mm, I'm excited. Delicious. I like honey. I like porters. How could it go wrong? Uh, the recipe was actually from uh, the White House website. Alrighty, so this is a, a nice and dark, it's like a dark chocolatey colored beer and dark chocolatey flavored beer. It has a nice smooth creamy head on it. Um, really, it's delightful. You get the notes of the honey, like you get a little bit of floral and you get like that honey essence without it being too sweet. You get a little bit of the porter, like the chocolatey dryness, kind of. What do you think, honey? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it looks, it might, be, might just be the honey coming up over the porter. You know, comparing it to like Anchor Porter from yesterday, Anchor Porter is more of a, or, I'm sorry, last episode, not yesterday. Peek <laughs> <laughs> behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a little smoother, maltier kind of porter, where that one's more robust. This is definitely more like like an English style. Yeah. In fact, I'd say it's almost the flavor of like an English mild. Yeah. And then the honey's got like it's that very specific dry honey taste. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about honey: when you ferment it, it gets really really dry, like champagne. Like you get you get these notes of like uh, it's weird. It's a weird description, but like of honey and of like flowers or clovers or whatever that they made the honey out of, but you don't get the sweetness. But it's weird because your brain knows that honey should be sweet, so it tricks your brain into thinking it's sweet. Yeah, it's a little more of the, like the earthy kind of floral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, you can, you can really taste the bee meat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like bee vomit. Delicious. Yeah. But yeah. I think we did all right. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so back to timeline. The movie. Directed by Richard Donner. Uh, you know. What else did he direct, Steve? Uh, well, he's a pretty legendary director. He did the, the first two Superman movies, like Christopher Reeve one, <laughs> uh, Lethal Weapon, Goonies, Maverick, one of your favorites. I, I love Maverick. Uh, Scrooge, Ladyhawk, <laughs> Lady uh, The Assassin, he did the oh. Sylvester Stallone Banderas movie mm -hmm. that we watched uh, a month or two ago. The Omen, he's, he's done some big movies. Yeah. And then this one. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this is a very like convoluted plot. Like in the book it Michael Crane spends a lot of time and, Yeah, going yeah. into like a lot of like the science and trying to make it believable and then also into the history and that and I think it's why some people like the book and some people don't. Right. But well should we go over the, the movies plots? Yeah. So it starts out with an archaeological team. They're unearthing a castle in France. It's from the fourteenth century. And they're talking all about how, oh, it was burned to the ground during the battle, it was British occupied, or English occupied, and the, then France rallied and destroyed it, and they uncover a grave with the Lady Claire holding her lover's hand, and very, very rare and unique, and her death rallies the French to take back the fortress and all of this, and they, uh, they, they uncover and underground monasteries, like, well, it's been buried, but it was a monastery, and they go into the cavern, 
and it looks like nobody's been in there in 600 years. It's like an amazing find. There's a scroll yeah. that hasn't been touched. And then there's a bifocal. A bifocal lens. <laughs> Very strange. So they bring them up and they have them analyzed and they have them carbon dated and they're over 600 years old. The bifocals weren't invented until like the 17th century. Yeah. And this particular one is obviously very modern. So they unroll this beautiful, perfectly preserved scroll, and their teacher, who's been leading the archaeological expedition, expedition, has written in the corner, please help me, but the ink is 600 years old. <gasps> and then it turns out that he has gone to go see their fa the, the financiers of their project, but he's been missing for two days, and nobody's heard from him. Until they find a message from 600 plus years ago. So they decide to go and visit the financiers out in New Mexico as well. And the financiers go, yeah, we're just going to fly you out on a private jet. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, come on over. We'll fly you out from France to New Mexico. It'll only yeah. take about two hours. And <laughs> so their crew in includes the scientist who does the carbon dating, the little guy with the glasses. Yep, uh, played by Ethan Embry, who's a, a bit of a nerd, but, yeah. you know. He does a good job. He does a good job, yeah. Um, a, a cute gal who's so deep into history, she can't see anything else. Uh, played by Frances O'Connor. Uh, she's the love interest of the professor's son, professor's Paul son. Walker. Uh, yeah, who has no interest in history, but likes to pick up chicks on archaeological yeah. digs. Yeah, they like to hang out with dad occasionally <laughs> to pick up on chicks, specifically this one. Mm -hmm. um, There's Merrick, Merrick who played. has a great, great Scottish accent. Yeah, played by Gerard Butler. Who, uh, in the book, is fluent in ancient French and has basically been studying this his whole life and is super, super into this. And this one is Gerard Butler. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but he had a great respect for the time of the 14th century when men had honor and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, he shoots bows and uh, he sword fights and uh, he lives the life. Exactly. He, I'm to say it. This is really his movie. He's, oh yeah. He's the lead. Like like Paul Walker's the big face on all the movie posters and stuff like that, and most of the screen time. But this is a good this story. This is a Gerard Butler story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then of course there's the professor, the father. They like Billy Great Billy Colney. Oh, and he's great too. He's so good in this. <laughs> this is his story too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so apparently what happened is uh, their financiers had developed a time machine that they've mm -hmm. been using. Uh, well, or, or, or they find a, a wormhole or something. I'm so sorry, the, way go ahead. That, the way they discovered the wormhole, they were looking to uh, be able to basically teleport matter across the country. Oh, yes, they were trying to do the fly. Yes, but their goal was uh, basically to be able to fax a physical object from New Mexico to New York. Correct. And the first thing they tried was they put a piece of paper into it, just like a fax, and it disappeared. But it never showed up in New York at their sister machine. But it reappeared like six hours later. And they did this a couple of times, and they're like, this is weird. So where is it going? So they went, all right, we're going to throw a camera into it. So they put the camera into it, and they just keep getting this beautiful footage of these pristine trees and mountains and all of that. And they send it a couple times, and they have no idea where it's at. And then their brilliant boss decides, let's point the camera up so we can take a picture of the stars, because you really can map where and yeah. when you are by the stars. And judging by the star maps, it turns out that it was in the south of France in 1357. Yeah. Quite, quite an odd, odd, weird little uh, wormhole they stumbled upon that goes to one specific place 650 mm -hmm. <laughs> years ago. Yeah, so they've been sending people back and forth to just kind of like 
test it out. Oh, I totally forgot the opening part of this movie is a man dressed in 14th century garb running through the New Mexico desert and then collapsing and dying. Yeah. Uh, and the EMTs have no idea how to explain it. So that's kind of a little prelude into this movie. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was pretty ancillary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that's some things like, oh, you go through this fax machine a couple times, sometimes you come back and your organs are kind of slightly askew. But, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, so they, because they know they go back to the certain place in France. Mm-hmm. At uh, a certain they, time. Yeah. At a certain time. They fly this uh, archaeological team out because, you know, doctors... Well, they, well, it turns out they've been funding them specifically because all of these people have been studying this exact time and place. And so they've been funding this archaeological dig so that they kind of know what their guys are going into when they go back there. And so when a team goes missing, including the head archaeologist, the only people they think they can send back who will even know how to speak the language, understand, be able to navigate the the castle and that, are the archaeological team. They've been studying their whole lives. Mm -hmm. So they have uh, a cute little French guy who speaks the language. Francois. Francois. Uh, they've got the gal, uh, you know, cute chick love interest who, uh, who nobody knows the castle better than her, except for possibly Merrick, who lives, breathes, and dies by this time period. Yeah. The son of the professor who has no reason to go, and in reality they would never send him, but he basically is like, wherever cute chick and my dad go, I'm gonna go. Right. He's the piece of the franchise. He's gotta do it. Exactly. Um, and, uh, our, our techie guy says, I don't want to go. I don't. You can't oh, make me go. And they go back with uh, a couple of Marines, too. They do, yeah. <clears throat> Two of them don't last long. But you have to, the techie guy decides to stay back. He doesn't want to go. He's too afraid of it. Uh, and he decides to stay back with this team of financiers who, realistically, all of these guys just met, like, ten minutes beforehand. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's very impressive. Uh, what do you think about the time machine that they used? I like the time machine. It's cool. It, it's a hall of mirrors. It is a hall of mirrors. Uh, in a cube. Uh, mm-hmm. It was about 40 feet in every direction they have to be free of to come back. So otherwise they'll come feet. back with them. Or 60 feet. Okay. Yeah. And you can't be near a wall or anything because it can't. It can't. It won't work. It interferes with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, basically a hall of mirrors. And then they switch it on. And, and then there's the coils in the middle. And then the wind machine starts up, and mm-hmm. it gets really bright, and people start screaming. And they then, make orgasm faces. And then they wake up in a river in France. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it, it all makes perfect scientific sense in the book, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. My favorite scene in this is when oh, when, when they're the explaining arch- it. They're explaining it, and the techie guy's like, "Yeah, but then you would have to." And his face just drops, and he goes, "Oh." <laughs> like. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it was basically like they were talking about how it's basically like faxing a person through time or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but then you have to break it down. Well, you have to break it, break it down to electrons, <gasps> break the matter down to electrons and transport the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, we totally did that. No further explanation. Moving on. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's very similar to uh, Cold Fusion and The Saint. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's, it's really complicated. If you were just like, no, no, don't think to the next scene. Here's this machine. I'm not going to lie. I prefer it when movies do that because the more <laughs> they give you, the more you have to nitpick. You go, that's not how it works. <laughs> exactly. When they're just like, wait, but that would mean, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Yeah, that's exactly what it <laughs> So, yeah, so um, they're in uh, 14th century France. 
they're immediately attacked by the the English who are riding through, and it turns out that the, the, this group of English are chasing Lady Claire, who is the sister of the Frenchman who's leading the attack on the English who are occupying the French castle. A little convoluted there. And so yeah. they're attempting, so they, they capture her and they end up capturing the team. And fun fact, they kill off a bunch of the Marines. But yeah. not before one of them can... Oh, we forgot about the amulet. Oh, yeah, they have little amulets is basically there so they can <laughs> fax return to sender, I guess, go back go so back to go the back. time machine. And uh, But they only have six hours. Yeah, they only go back for six hours. And then after that, they're they're stuck. They're stuck there, yeah, because it's a very specific wormhole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so one of the guy, one of the Marines is being shot at. Oh, and they have very strict rule, no, no modern weapons go back. Yeah. Nothing modern goes yeah, back. Yeah, you don't want to have, like, plasma, rifles, plasma rifles in the 40-watt range going back <laughs> to ancient France or anything like that. Exactly. But, uh, so one of the Marines gets uh, shot by a bunch of arrows. He, turns out he's got a grenade with him. He pulls the pin and pushes his amulet at the same time. He gets sent back, like, ten seconds after they've been there. He just immediately gets taken down by these uh, English invaders. But the grenade goes back with him. Yeah. And blows the New Mexico home machine to smithereens. Absolutely explodes the entire room. Everything mm-hmm. should be destroyed and is. Uh, his corpse is untouched, though. Um, he's, got little, he's got a little charcoal on his face. Oh, he's, got, he's got a little, little smudge on his face. Yeah, he's got being, a little smudge. right next to a grenade that completely destroyed a time machine. Okay. He's also very dead. And and now and now the team's like, oh my gosh, we only have a few hours to put this thing back together so we can get these guys home. Where are we gonna find a room full of mirrors? I'm not gonna lie, I do I did like the scene where our techie guy who um, who's from the archaeological dig is, how long is it gonna take? And the head the head guy for the time machine is basically like, it's been five hours and twenty seven minutes. He goes, how do you how how do you know it's gonna take that long? And he turns the clock around and goes, that's how long they that's have. How long they have. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. It's just I know it's cheesy and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple moments like that. But <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, they're back in ancient France uh, mm-hmm. while you know the home team's trying to put the time machine back together. It don't worry that it just shows up uh, a couple teams later. It's back together. Uh, but back in France, uh, they're they they get captured. They're taken to a little little holding area, like a little yeah, little village right outside the castle. They're they're put in the the highest room on a uh, the the building like the floors get bigger as it goes up. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting design. That, that was interesting, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a little wooden building with a thatched roof. Yeah, yeah. very important that yeah, it's a thatched yeah, roof. Yeah, it's it's a prison, a prison hold or something with a thatched roof and walls made out I, of birches. I don't think that that was actually was like um, a, farm a prison house or hold. Something. Oh, yeah, okay. I think it was like, because they had taken over this little French village, that's where the French are attacking them. Oh, okay. My guess is it's that. where they had, because they were holding them, basically, until they decided what to do with them. Yeah. So my, okay. I be, my guess is, and my just like trying to remember from the book, I believe it's just like where all the soldiers are staying, and they're like, they're not getting out of here because we're all here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they meet, and I'm blanking on the guy's name, basically the British lord in charge, who immediately kills Francois because he's French. Mm. And they're like, oh, shit, our translator! Yeah, play, played by Michael Sheen. Yeah, at this point, he's like, oh, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't communicate. They don't know what's going on. Why are they still alive? <laughs> yeah. They don't like that Merrick is Scottish. They, yeah. And they admit that they have the professor. And they're like, what? What's wrong with the Scots? Why are so many Scots showing up? 
and they have a Frenchman with them. Hmm, this is very suspicious. Yeah. And to be fair, that would be very suspicious. Very suspicious. They would all die. Right? <laughs> You're making my head hurt with all my suspicions. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but what they don't know, the professor who arrived two days before them uh, has told them that he's basically a wizard and that he can give them Greek fire. That's right. Good old Greek um, fire. Uh, basically, it's uh, what, an incendiary weapon that... Uh, Burns on water, like it like you can't put it out with water. water. Yeah, it's like oil based or something. Yeah, so uh, so the more water you pour on it, the more it makes it spread. Yeah, uh, I looked it up. It was uh, a Babylon weapon. Mm-hmm. Like there are many weapons that Babylon they they call exactly. There's a lot of weapons they call Greek fire, but this particular type was a Babylonian one. They used it war, and it would float on top of like at, during naval battles, it would float on top of the sea. So it would be like even more dangerous for all those big wooden ships. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. So it'd be a pretty powerful weapon back in 14th century Paul. Absolutely, and they all would have heard of it because it would have been like the thing of legends because the Babylonians yeah. never passed it on and nobody was able to make it after they were no longer around. There you go. Uh, so yeah, so they that's why they're keeping the professor alive because he promised them that. Um, they got him in a hole. They break out through the the thatched roof. The the love interest lady climbs up through there, and you know she, she she's a rock, rock climber. Yeah, yeah, very you're climbing down the side because you know, like I said, the weird floors <laughs> get smaller as you go down, kind of mm-hmm. thing. So you gotta kind of lay down those. Um, but yeah, they they she swings down, kills the guard, uh, opens the door, they <laughs> drop kick through. They'll they'll mad dash escape. They have to kill a couple mm-hmm. guys along the way. They're really distraught about that. Um, yeah. But uh, Merrick veers off from the group. Merrick does veer off from the group. He yeah. has to go and save Lady Claire. I do save Lady. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately now he's changing time because Lady Claire's death is what's going to rally the French into defeating the English this very night. <gasps> That's right. April 4th? You sent us back on April 4th? This is the night that the French retake the retake Castle Guard and burn it, burn it to the ground. Then I suggest we act quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so there's a lot of like capture and escape, capture and escape, yeah. uh, back and forth, people dodging. Half the group thinks the other half is dead. Um, the uh, the amulets to take them back. It take uh, some of them get lost. A couple of them get taken by a guard who seems to know exactly what they are, and it turns out. He was from one of an earlier expedition expedition that uh, the Marines earlier had gone back on, and they thought he was dead, so they uh, they left him there. Yeah, and he just so assumed an identity of like uh, a sir in the English English uh, yeah. not army uh, English battalion or whatever. He, he, he says he's a lord, and so he's automatically yeah. a knight. Mm-hmm. His name is Doniger Don, Doniger Doniger, yeah. uh, but he just takes the name of Lord Decia. Yeah, and uh, and he basically tells some of the ones he's got captured, if you stay with me, I will keep you alive, and if you make me look good, basically the longer you will live, and if you make me look bad, I'll kill you immediately. Yeah. And he kills the last marine who took them back. So yeah. basically, the last guy who really knows the intricacies of the time travel. Yeah, because they just kind of showed up like it's a time machine. It's very complicated. We don't have time for this. We're just gonna send you back. We're gonna send you back <laughs> with one of our guys. Well, yeah. three of our guys. He'll, he'll still be clean. <laughs> Pretty much. Or not. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah. So the then from there. Uh, oh my gosh, where does it go from there? Basically, yeah, a lot of 
A lot of running around, chasing, go get um, to the castle, try to see his dad. Cute chick and Paul Walker get away from everybody else. The rest of the group thinks they're dead. Yeah, Uh, and monastery. Cute chick uh, knows. She just has known since the dig started. There has to be a tunnel between the castle and the monastery, but she's never been able to prove it. But they decide to make their way to the monastery to find her tunnel so that they can get into the castle. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the monastery. They somehow convince the uh, the French monks that even though they speak English, they're not part of the English. <laughs> they're there to help them. Uh, they get into the deepest, darkest part of the monastery. They find the professor's glasses and his notes. Mm-hmm. And they go to... to Paul Walker goes to leave with them, and she goes, no, 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 you have to leave it here, or we won't know to come back. Mm-hmm. So they put him back in this little box. She bashes through a wall, and they find the tunnel. Yep. Uh, we cut back to the professor and uh, Merrick and whoever's left of the, that group, uh, and Lady Claire and that. They're being forced to make the Greek fire. Merrick keeps telling the professor, we can't actually make this. This is going to change the course of history, because... We're giving the English a huge advantage. And Professor basically goes, if we want to try and get out of this, and we want to try and, well, he thinks it's not dead, but if we want to try and get back home, we have to do we have to do this. So they're making that. They they get all that together. There's a bunch of political back and forth. The, uh, the English put Lady Claire up and go, you know, your brother will have to kill you if he plans on taking this. Basically put her right where all the arrows yeah, are Yeah, they're, they're catapulting all the... Uh, Trébuchet. Yeah, Trébuchet. Yeah, throwing the... Uh, Vault of hot fire at the at the mm-hmm. castle, kind of bringing it down. Uh, they retaliate with their their one torpedo, I guess, of Greek fire and mm-hmm. see that it works. And then he's like, "Perfect! How many men do you need? Uh, 20, 20, 20 men!" Uh, so they're making this big old thing of Greek fire with like twenty mm-hmm. men there. And basically, in the meantime, they do like the the arrow, fiery arrows back and forth, and all that you know, usual battle stuff. It's a pretty well done battle, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's not bad. It's no Lord of the Rings or whatever, but it's still pretty good. It's yeah. a little more realistic. It, yeah, yeah, I would say it's it's kind of like watching a battle on the History Channel, like yeah. a well done battle on the History Channel. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, starts getting as, as as we start to reach the the climax of mm-hmm. the act, um, they set off say the. the Nope, sorry. First, First. Uh, Paul Walker and Cute Chick, they get to the end of the tunnel and it's not completed. Oh, yeah. And she's completely devastated. Uh, in the meantime, some of the one of the French monks ran to go get the French leader and told him, Hey, we didn't know this, but there's a secret tunnel between the castle and our monastery. You should go and you should Don't go follow these people. Yeah. So the French leader goes and does that. He leaves a bunch of his men to shoot arrows back and forth. But he also takes a whole battalion of men underground. They reach Paul Walker and Cute Chick, and they go like, "There's, it's the end. It's not finished." And then he goes, "Oh my God, you're English. Let's kill you all!" Right about then, Merrick decides he has to save Lady Claire. He he just can't help himself. He runs out, grabs a torch, basically holds it over. Well, and he gets the professor up with him, holds it over the pit that they've been building the uh, the Greek fire in. He goes, "Let her go, or I'm dropping this." And the English baddie is basically like, he won't do it. He'll kill us all. And Merrick's like, well, we're all dead anyway. And basically drops it. (laughs) Runs for her. There's a huge explosion. Fun fact. Turns out Paul Walker, cute chick, and the entire French battalion underneath that exact spot. And it opens up for them. Yeah, the the explosion that takes out the tower or whatever, all that blows Mm -hmm. up this entire little stronghold. Um, 
you know, it, it makes the tunnel crumble a little bit so it crushes the uh, the, the uh, French guys or whatever that, uh, that well, it just kind of, like, distracts them, like, with the rocks yeah, falling kind of and stuff. Them, yeah. And then it's like, oh, it looks like it's finished now. Not the tower collapsing on top of them and crushing them right. all. It's, oh, oh, look, oh, now we can get out. There's honey, light. it's Greek fire. It shut it outward. Oh, oh, is that how it worked? I, I'm yeah. not an expert on green fire. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, <laughs> the French guy is so pleased, kisses them both, so now they both have bubonic plague, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, now the French mm. battalion is able to stream inward and out of the flames to start attacking the British. Uh, Merrick gets in a fight with uh, Doniger, Dekir, whatever you want to call him, and actually yeah, it, exactly. whatever your name is. Um, he ends up killing him and get being able to get their little. Uh, Not before he takes off his ear. That's right. That's right. Because the guy on the the Lady Claire Lady Claire's love. lover on the sarcophagus only had one ear. And and that's when Merrick realizes it's me. It's me. So fucking excited for a guy who's just lost his ear. Right. He's like my ear. <gasps> it's me. Be <laughs> nice. Um. Essentially, they uh. They get their little time travel tokens back. They're trying to hit them, but then they realize they're within the castle walls. They have to be yeah. clear, 60 feet of everything, or it won't work. So they're running out basically into a field in the middle of a battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul Walker goes back for Merrick, who's there trying to free Lady Claire, and is like, you have to come with us. And he's like, no, I have like, to no, stay. I'm, I'm good. They're like, no, you really have to come with us. What? I can't hear you. No, he doesn't say that. No. He should. But he no, but he goes, this is my home. Yeah. And Paul Walker basically whispers, like, luck to you or something like, like that. Right, <laughs> they go out in the middle of the field and they see running at them the last of the British King's Brigade. They're gunning for them. They're Horses swords ready. Sword. They're about to get them. They hit their button. At that point, we cut back to the laboratory. They've just about finished the time machine. They have an 80% chance of success. But the lead guy oh, doesn't want to take that chance. And he goes, you know how our tests have been going. We don't need a whole bunch of these grad students coming back deformed, dying. This is going to be a political nightmare. We need to just forget that this happened. And he goes, he runs to the back, starts cleaning out their lockers. And the head scientist follows him in from their team and is like, no, we have to do this. We have to save these people. And they have a battle. And basically it's an old man fight where they kind of grab each other's shoulders. <laughs> hey. ah, the head scientist gets thrown back and basically knocks unconscious on a wall. Yeah. Which is exactly how a whole fan fight would go. Oh, <laughs> I believe he dies of a brain aneurysm in the book, but I'm yeah, not 100% sure. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah, I was going um, like, to like, fall on something sharp and it'd be in the back of his head, but mm -hmm. it never showed like blood dripping or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the head techie guy from our archaeological exhibition goes, so this could work. Uh, we have to try it. And they only have like three more minutes. And then they see a, a ping on their computer. Somebody's trying to come back. We have to turn the machine on. We can't do that. So our lead techie guy runs, locks himself in the office, starts turning on the machine with the other computer tech who yeah. works for them. They start turning it on. And our head guy who's in charge of this project is like, no, we can't bring them back. And he runs into the machine, and he's going to destroy the coils that they've worked so hard to repair. Right then, they hit... But when he runs in, and they turn on the machine, they hit the ping again. We cut back to the the, the, to the, the past. mirror shutting, and yeah. we cut back to the past. the The guards are running at our people with the swords drawn. They're almost at them. They start to fade. The holomir. We cut back to the future. The holomirs are closing, and the tech guy, the or the head guy, go is up against them, and he goes, 
I don't have a, I don't have an amulet. I can't come back. Yeah. Cut, back cut to them doing their screaming orgasm faces. The doors open. The wind, the glass mirrors open. Our people are back. Our techie guy runs out and he goes, "Where's Merrick? Where's Francois?" Francois. We cut back to. Um, the head evil guy from the Techie Corporation. Back in 1357, he looks around. He looks around. He sees an empty field. He turns around and swink, sword through the head. Yep. Drop mic. <laughs> <laughs> you have to admit it's a satisfying movie. It, Everybody it gets really it. Is. It, it is a lot better. Like, like I, I would guess the Metascore would be like in 50 or 60 range. Like it's borderline fresh. Uh, there's obviously some things you can pick on like, it and all, but yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I would say based on other movies I've seen, what their score, I would. This is definitely somewhere between 57 and 62. Like, <laughs> very specific. <laughs> like it's in that range. Like, it's it's better than a 25% movie. Well, shall we? On, on that note, shall we try beer number two? Yeah. So beer number two, we have a delightful summer wheat from Anchor. Yes, Anchor wheat. Mm. There is not. However, it's uh, essentially a nice little wheat beer. Uh, if I remember, mm. it's a little darker than most wheat beers. It's like yeah. a, like almost like a jukebox vitamin, but uh, I may be thinking of a different one too. They have a couple different uh, seasonal. Right here, do you want me to? It's the quintessential summer refresher. So this one, unlike other ones we've had, is in a can. Yes. Are you guys ready for here this? Go. Oh, so oh yeah. A little frothy because we didn't wait for it. Yeah, please pour it in the cup. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want, Steve. All right. So that is a beautiful like. Oh yeah, the nice golden color. Okay, yeah. So it's like a yeah. like a hefeweizen. But it's a clear. It's clear. It's it's oh, a golden yeah, ale. Yeah, yeah. It's a golden ale. Nice and clear. It's got a nice cream colored head. I feel like off white. Honey, you want to give that a try? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He's taking a sip. Oh, oh God! What does that say? No, he actually looks like he's enjoying it. Hey, toes born with baby. Um, yeah, it's a good, clean, refreshing wheat beer. You know. Yeah. Dang. Mm -hmm. It's a little hoppier than yeah, most wheat beers, but very refreshing, very clean. Like I, my guess would be maybe uh, citron mosaic mm -hmm. hops in that. That would be my guess. Yeah. Oh, all right, honey. So now the quintessential, quintessential question: What did you learn from this movie? Oh boy, what did I learn? Um, I learned that people can be back through time. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> uh, this is kind of a, a sequel to The Fly. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> they took the fly technology and uh, and they improved upon it. How about you? Anything you learned? Hmm. What I learned from this is that. We can't change history. It's already happened. Well, and that's a lot of time travel movies, at least the good ones and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that comes out like like Twelve Monkeys and mm -hmm. uh, the, the Primer or whatever. It's kind of mm -hmm. thing where it's like, yeah, we figured it out, so it already happened. So yeah. nothing has changed since, <laughs> since even, we went back in time. Or, yeah, even Terminator. Yeah, well. Hmm. Uh, at least the first couple. In the first, yeah, yeah. Right, so the first Terminator. If you just watched just the first Terminator movie, but there's so many loopholes. There are so many loopholes. 
But John Connor isn't born if he doesn't send his father back in time to impregnate his mother. Speaking of loopholes, mm-hmm. in this movie... Yeah? So when the uh, the French guys were chasing after him in the tunnel or whatever, they were so specific to put the bifocals back in that spot or whatever. Mm-hmm. When they were going in the tunnel, they kicked it over and the bifocals were all... Yeah, and that's how the one over. lens Oh, that's right. That is how they out. found it with the one lens. Okay, that, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah... Because they just found one bifocal lens, and that was it. When they knocked the box over, you'll notice the glasses break. Spoiler alert, the inscription on the side of the sarcophagus, mm-hmm. did they just not find that before? They had not done they it. They had undug it? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, we didn't notice it before, but it looked like it was, like, perfectly, like, just laid out. Like, there were, all the letters and stuff were perfectly, like, colored and stuff. Like, there wasn't mm-hmm. even a fade or anything to it. It's pretty, it was, like... Okay, he just unearthed it. Okay, I got it. Oh, yeah, I guess that really... Yeah, so I guess most loopholes are kind of tied up. Yeah, I guess that actually was the closing scene with them back at the dig site, and they uncover the rest of that that tomb, and on the side of it, it basically says her life, like, Sir Merrick and Lady Claire, and they lived a long life. And there's a little thing that, uh, like, uh, to my friends I left behind, know that I lived the life I I always wanted. And then it it says that I died, like... 1394 for 1971. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another thing I learned about from this movie, mm-hmm. I had never heard a Greek fire before, and apparently yeah. it was a real thing. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> of course, that sounds like something a magician would be like, no, I give you... Fire! I give you great uh, wind of Lebanon. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Google it. Interesting. Something else I learned from this movie? What's that? There is only so much shit that Michael Crichton will take. This uh, is the last yeah. movie he approved. All right. Fucking Lost World. That sucks. <laughs> Congo? Fucking Congo? Oh, Congo. Congo was, um... Yeah, it was horrible. Absolutely <laughs> horrible. What's some of the others? There uh, were a couple of other ones. Yeah, there were a couple of others where I was like, oh, that was Michael Crichton book? Really? We should just do a Michael Crichton month. <laughs> uh, I think we're, well, we've already got two of the big ones down. So. <laughs> True. Alrighty, uh, so to our question from last week real quick, if you had a superpower, what would you have? Superpower. Like, I mean, time control would be pretty sweet, you would think, right? Yeah, but I've seen, I've seen Click. Yeah. 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 And? It worked out awesome for him. Oh, he fast. He, he can only fast forward though. He couldn't rewind. Ah, uh, that's true. Remember? Uh, oh gosh, you don't remember Christopher Walken's rules? <laughs> yes, yes. No, I remember. Oh, the rewind on the thing is broken. Oh, something. Oh. Uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Um. <laughs> I'll be like you. <laughs> oh, click! I gotta have that to the time travel. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. Yeah, but yeah, that would be kind of cool. Um, yeah, everybody said like flight. Flight should be pretty sweet. True. Um, adamantium bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, the, the Wolverine treatment, the healing ability. Oh, yeah. Deadpool <laughs> style? <laughs> oh, yeah, Deadpool. <laughs> healing ability and going slightly insane. If it's only for a day, you should be okay. Right? right? <laughs> it's once it gets to like 300 years or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if it's just for a day, I'd like teleportation. That'd be kind of sweet. I just go visit everywhere real quick. Yeah. Go back. <laughs> go back to 
1357 for all? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not time travel, just teleportation. Just teleportation. I'm going to be like, you know what? Always wanted to see the, uh, the Eiffel Tower. Oh, look, the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Alright, it's like Steve. Go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> go check out Easter Island. Those heads are kind of cool. Oh, there we go. <laughs> hey, this place also kind of smells hey, weird. Hey, where's Let's the 7-Eleven? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. Ooh, 555 for a large pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's all it would be. It'd be like, somebody says, are you trying Tasty Delight? That's in New York. <laughs> like, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed your meal. Here's your bill. Not for luck. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Wada burger? Oh. <laughs> so you use your teleportation to welch out on bills and just travel the world for a day. <laughs> See all of the sites for about. 12 seconds at a time. <laughs> Pretty much. Just be like, you know what would be great? Egypt. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, time to go. <laughs> or it'd be like, be like, ooh, I'd like to see the Sam Kennison statue in Eagle, California. Oh, fuck, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it was just in a horrible movie. No. At least it didn't drive four hours out of your way this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a story for another day, I think. <laughs> we'll have to watch a Sam Kennison movie. <laughs> Oh, he, he, say he was a uh, oh back to school. That's right. He was like an angry teacher or something in that, right? That Rodney Dangerfield movie. I remember he okay. only had like small parts. Mostly. Okay, that, yeah. Episode of Married Children. All right, honey. So do you have any fun facts about the movie Timeline? Uh, fun facts yeah, based on a Michael Crichton novel. Oh, you know who was originally going to play Merrick? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> no, of course he turned that down. Like he turns down every single uh, role, in, role in Hollywood. Okay. Uh, apparently Pierce Brosnan was supposed to be Merrick Ooh. in the beginning, but he decided to do something else. I think it was probably another Bond movie. It was around the end of uh, what was the last he one? Like Tomorrow Never Goldeneye. Dies. Or, no, Goldeneye was like a decade before. Right. This, this would have been like the Halle Berry one that was horrible. Oh, that was bad. So I think there was even one after that. World's not enough. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Gerard Butler did pretty good, and I mean... Oh, he's it? great in this. He's pretty damn good. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, this whole thing about Michael Crichton uh, not liking this <laughs> movie enough to where he's like, over my dead body! And then it was <laughs> after he died, they all right, started releasing so his books again. <laughs> um, fun fact I found out about it, something that Steve actually pointed out during the movie and I brushed off. The, uh, so the French shield um, oh. for uh, Lady Claire's troops, you kept going, what? why are they, why are some of them different? Yeah, there are like four different kinds of shields they had, and they were all it, different designs. Like one was like a fleur-de-lis, the other one was like, uh, it was like separating the fours, and like two of them were like crosses, and the other two were blank and yellow or something. It was, was kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, so, so the cross ones most likely are the real ones. Turns out a couple of them were uh, Quebec uh, Quebec Shield, because they shot most of this in Quebec. And in fact, uh, Francois, our little French uh, translator, he's a Quebecian actor. There you go. You don't know him from anything else. Like French-Canadian. You know, the good French. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it. No. <laughs> All right, honey, are you ready for the question for this week? Ooh, question for next week, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, what inventions could you not live without? Are we answering today or are we answering next week? Let's answer next week. 
All right. Hey, why don't you give us your answers, too? And we'll uh, talk about them on the podcast here. Share them. Mm-hmm. And send us, too, about your superhero powers. We yeah, want, uh, superhero powers. Those. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your favorite... Uh, what superpower, so what what superpower would you like to have for a day? And what inventions could you not live without? Alrighty. And so until next time, I'm Izzy. And I'm Steve. And this is... Everything, Everything I learned from movies. Have a great week, everyone.